Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 257. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brayton Oski. And I'm Awesome Morales. Hey, and Awesome Morales. Hey, how's it going, Brett? I'm doing well. How are oh, you? Oh, great. Hey, I'm doing good. It's been a good week, and you know what? It's been the best week. It has been the best so week. So far, because we get to play Get the Fuck Out. Oh, no, no. Shh. No, this is a PG show. Oh, I'm sorry. GTFO. Sorry. I'm not supposed to GTFO. fucking cuss on this fucking no, podcast. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Sorry, guys. Cuss away. Cuss away. <laughs> and I also played more Tim Tim, which was really, really awesome. And the gaming news, we talk about Animal Crossing. Nintendo had a direct for it. There's a lot of good things coming for that game, and uh, some people are more excited than others. Just saying. Also, a lot of people are skipping events currently because of the coronavirus, such as PAX East and other stuff yeah, i'd be scared of that stuff too yeah it's not the best but yeah it's not every you know it's not like um the avian flu moving on what, what was the other one the flu virus uh, sars avian flu bird flu bird flu that's it. bird flu mm-hmm. so yeah. bad anyway oh this one's pretty bad i think this one's bad. supposed to be the worst anyway great intro I know. <laughs> for a discussion topic we talk about the greatest video game destinations that we have found in video games thus far we have 10 of them they're pretty wide and expansive. Like they are. The varied list. Just like the worlds themselves. Exactly. So stay tuned for that and hear that music. Welcome to the It is February 25th, 2020. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to show your support by donating to take us to the next level. You can visit theinnergamer.net slash donate to contribute or simply share this podcast to it with a friend. I uh, also want to welcome all the new listeners. Thanks to Amanda Bennett last time for being on the podcast and for sharing it with your community. We've got a lot of new new people that were tuning in the podcast this time around. So I'm really glad to have you hopefully here for the next podcast and hopefully many podcasts forward. Remember, if you want to join us in uh, video games as we play them, you can go to our Discord link in the show notes and join us online. And uh, also just, you know, make sure you follow us on all the social channels and uh, keep sharing us with your friends and let them know about the podcast. And if you have any suggestions, feel free to give us a shout out on any of the social media channels because yeah. we'd be happy to answer questions, help make the show better, get it, you know, growing as time goes on, all that yeah, good stuff. Exactly. So, and welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Want to give some quick shout outs this week to some of our awesome fans that have been supporting us so greatly. We just recently got a $5 donation from none other than James Haney. Thank you very much, James, for the contribution. We really, really appreciate it. Make sure you check your Patreon messages for uh, follow-ups on submitting your discussion topic and all the good stuff that comes with being a $5 member. And I also want to thank you for the review where he said, these guys are significantly better than other gaming channels. You can tell the honesty oh. in the reviews are unbiased and they have a oh. friendship that comes to the audio. Oh. Hell yes. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for the support. High five, friend. High five. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the video games we have this week. Uh, speaking of family, we're about to talk about a game that made us really want our family badly because we were scared and sad <laughs> oh my and afraid. And this game is I, called GTFO. Yeah. I was more frustrated by the end of uh, end of it all, but yeah, GTFO. Yeah. GTFO. GTFO stands for as what you'd imagine. 
get the F out. And it's a uh, hardcore four-player cooperative first-person shooter with a focus on team play and atmosphere. And it is created by uh, Ten Chambers Collective, which also brought us Payday 2, which I had forgotten about. So that was really cool. Um, Very interesting. So GTFO is a shooter game where you have little ammo when you start off and you're in these, you go down underground somewhere. Hell, I don't know. I'm not sure. But you go somewhere underground and you have to fight through levels of bad guys and achieve objectives. And Austin, you played more of it than I did. So tell me about your thoughts and experiences with GTFO. So there's, it kind of starts, or it's a little reminiscent of like Aliens. That whole kind of like nostalgia, not nostalgia, but that like aesthetics of, you know, low light, the very, you know, uh, I guess during that time, especially in a movie, you know, they had a lot of high tech stuff, but like it had its own unique take on it because it was like advanced tech technology with like computers and stuff, but it still kind of looked like that old computers that they were using back then, right? Yeah. So it was very interesting to see that, and they kind of took that into this in the way, like, the aesthetics of opening the uh, the game, and it goes straight into the... There's no, like, menu system or anything. There is, but it's very, like, computer-based. It, it's almost like you're looking at a sc- screen starting off. It's, it's like you're hacking into, like, yeah. using the hacking interfaces, which, I mean, actually, that stuff still exists today. Like, if right. I'm manipulating servers and stuff like that, like, I'm doing command line code right. still. So like that stuff, there's a lot of stuff that has solved that, but it's still a common thing to see that stuff today, which is yeah. pretty exciting to to you. But you feel like you're a hacker. You feel like you're right. A badass. It's, it's when interesting you're that stuff. It's an aspect that has not really been touched. I feel like too much video games. It's very immersive. But if you haven't, like, go go on YouTube, look up someone playing this game and like just launching it. I think launching the game and getting into the menu where you can invite friends is very interesting and appealing and unique. And like from the get go, it like kind of had me sold. I was I was already immersed in this world just by the intro, which is like not even an intro. It's just I don't know. It's very interesting, hard to describe. Anyway, you get into this this thing, and you can have up to four friends, and everyone has a loadout, and you can kind of switch between uh, different stuff to help you survive. Um, and every time you go in there, I think the enemies are proge- uh, procedurally uh, generated to be in different locations every time. So it's very difficult because you never know what you're getting yourself into. and But you play the same level over and over again because it gets really, really hard and you die a lot. And that's what happened quite a bit. And even with four, because originally it was me, Travis, and Sarah all playing it. And that was hard. Like, that was super hard. We, we got decently far, um, but we kept dying. And, you know, you get hit. It takes a big chunk of your health out. And these enemies respond to light and sound, so it's a really dark area. You have a flashlight, you have guns, and once you like, if a bunch of them are coming at you, you're going to start shooting them, and then that attracts more, and then you don't have a lot of ammo to begin with. So <laughs> it's kind of like good luck because unless you search a few of the areas that aren't inhabited by these. Uh, mutated human alien things, you might get lucky and get supplies that will help you for certain encounters, but even that's pretty slim because all that is procedurally generated too each time you come into the match or the the level. And man, dude, it is so hard. We haven't beat the first level. 
That's how hard it is. And then Brett came in and he got to experience all that. What, what was your experience, Brett? Like, cause we, we kind of like knew what we were doing at that point. So we're like, Hey Brett, do this, do that. But we didn't really prepare you for the carnage that would ensue. Yes. My first experience jumping into this game was, was a little bit, a little bit hairy, a little bit crazy <laughs> because I, I didn't know. Um, so when we started out, one of the things that they had, you had the ability, you can select your, your weapon loadout and you guys gave me some insight. I'm like, Oh yeah, you should get a machine gun. You should maybe try a shotgun. And and then there was this special like weapon you get the tool or whatever. And then, so I got the sea foam something or another and I hadn't quite figured out or didn't know what to do with it. I just knew that it was supposed to like help with doors and slow enemies. So the first time I shot it, I was like, thinking that it was going to do like a, a clean spray of foam, but instead it just throws out blobs of foam at random places, like kind of like a, like shotgun shells or something like that. I was like, okay, that is not at all what I expected to have happen. And then I made noise and everybody was yelling at me and I was very sad. I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, this was a bad thing. Uh-huh. But eventually I figured out what hopefully it was going to work with it. But I did find in that one encounter that we had with all the bad guys where they bum rush us mm-hmm. from every direction, that was immensely helpful to stop them and slow them down. Cause I had a couple of the enemies trapped in the uh, gel and they just, they just get kind of get frozen there and I can like shoot at the other guys and then work on them at the end, which is nice. Um, but I was really impressed with how polished and clean this game is. Like it's for early access. The, yeah, early access. The graphics are really awesome. The atmospheric effects, like the way the light is such a in, intense like gameplay component. Um, and then the glow sticks having a different effect on it. Um, and then just like sound having a big part of it and exploring and navigating through these corridors and how you can like open up your, your tab menu. You can like draw directional information on there to say like, Hey, let's go over here or let's go over there. Like there's a lot of tools that are already in place that make it very team based, um, play, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. Yep. And I was, so I was reading on the steam page and found out, you know, we were trying to figure out what the heck like, why are we going underground? What's happening? Yeah. So I have the answers. Oh, nice. So apparently, we are a team of prisoners. Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. So we're a team of prisoners forced to explore and extract artifacts from an underground complex overrun by terrifying creatures. So there's artifacts down here that the people above want, and they're like, well, these guys are prisoners, so fuck it. Let's just send them down there to die and then see what they can get back out of it. So our goal is to get down there and gather tools and weapons and stuff to survive and work to unearth the answers about your past and how to escape. So I don't know if there's like a story bit to it, but I know what there we're playing be. right now is called Rundown. And Rundown has a set number of levels, but they're eventually going to add more. Um, they're going to add more stuff to it. So Interesting. They said, Rundown, new expeditions release regularly that always replace the old expeditions. Our goal is to invent new ways of challenging you and your teammates in new and interesting ways. So the things that you see in there aren't always going to be there, and they'll eventually replace them with other new ones that Mm. are a little bit different, so that keeps things fresh and interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, So it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. It's very, very hard. Yeah, very, there's only one difficulty level, and it's like Dark Souls for uh, first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah, um, you have to be very tactical, tactful with how you 
uh, you know, attack enemies because they're very weird. They look, they have like a humanoid shape, but their heads are not humanoid. Um, some shoot like these bright colored laser things at you that hit you and hurt you. Not as bad as the other ones who run up to you and they have like a worm penis that comes out from their head and hits you in the face. And that does a lot of damage to you. It's really quick. So like you have a bunch coming at you, you're going to get a lot of damage pretty quick because they attack pretty pretty fast. But they do have like a small like recharge like window where they have to, I guess, gather the energy up to hit you again. But they'll just stand there in front of you and back away and they run and they're really fast. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So I have the assault rifle and the shotgun, which is a tactical shotgun. So it shoots really fast. It's very nice. Like I really like it. And it seems to get the job done, but when they bum rush you, it's too much. And then, like, after they hit you, they might even back up and then come back. So you're, like, you're trying to kill them, but they're going away and they're really fast, so your bullets kind of miss, so you have to really be careful. Obviously, the more you play, the easier it gets. But going back to what you were talking about earlier about the, the computer panel, like, we were, it was the first match. I was like, what are we doing here? Like, here's a computer panel. We go into it, and... Obviously, it's acting like an actual computer, and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. So, like, all of us got on and got off real quick, and then we're like, okay, so this door is locked and needs a key card, and this other door is a way to get in, but we know if we open this door, it's going to sound an alarm, and all these enemies are going to come uh, running at us. So I was like, well, this computer's here for a reason. Let me get on it. And then I looked on it, and I started reading it. I was like, oh, hit list. And it was like, list. Like, all this stuff comes up. I was like, yeah. what the heck? So then I go back to commands. I'm like, well, what can I do here? So I start typing all the stuff that says it's possible. And then I'm like, wait a second. We need this key. Let me go back to the list. I find the key. And I was like, okay, so if I want to look for something, I got to hit query plus this thing. So it's like this item is in this location, but it's too far away to ping in order for us to find it. So we got to go to that location. So that's when it's like, okay, we have to open this other door to get into this next sector to get to the other room to find this key to come back to. And I was like, wow, this is actually very well thought out. Yeah. Like how that stuff works. And you can see what's around you and try to find, like, if you, like, oh, we need health. Go back to the computer. Where's the med pack? Is it close oh, enough? Oh, the computer will answer that yeah, stuff Yeah, it'll you tell too. you where it is. Oh, and if it's cool. in the general area, it will ping it for you and you can go find it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I was that's like, pretty neat. Yeah, I know. I was like, man, this is, this is pretty immersive. Like, I've never played a game like that before. Yeah, yeah. But it was also cool because I figured it out and I didn't know what it was. Right. So... Man, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like how on a on their Steam page they they say that in all quotes under the early access section before you buy or all bold before you buy GTFO is seriously hard. You need dedication and teamwork to survive. This is not a run and gun game. Please watch a stream or YouTube clip so you know what you're getting into. And then further down, they reiterate GTFO is not for everyone. Only buy this game if you are okay with the following. A very challenging experience, probably too hard for most players. So they're like really pushing the idea that this is this is super hard. Don't buy it, which I think probably helps them in the fact that people are like, "Well, I want to buy it just to prove them wrong." Right. And right. They get into it and realize, "Oh shit, it's really hard. It's very hard." Yeah, I watched some people play it, and you know they were pretty good at it. They were killing guys easily. Uh, it seemed like um, you know you have a melee weapon, which is basically a giant sledgehammer uh, in different forms, and you could just that's like your best bet of killing these enemies is sneaking up to them and then bashing their head in. Yeah. Um, so you don't like a lot of people, so you don't attract more because they, you know, obviously sound and light attracts them. So 
If you're tactful enough and stealthful enough, you can actually get through some of these things pretty easily. And I think that's our biggest downfall is that we're so used to running gun that it's oh, yeah. just not, we're not playing this game right. And it's very, it, that's why we haven't gotten very far. Right. After like three hours, four hours. This play. is made in Unity, which is also really impressive. Because wow. the graphics are really good for yes, it is. a Unity build out. Interesting. Very um, interesting. Yeah. Definitely recommend, well, I don't know. I don't recommend it to everybody. But I definitely, if you want someone with your friends, because you don't, you can only play with your friends. There's no matchmaking, so you have to connect with your friends on on this game. And if you can get everybody to jump into it, I mean, it's it's a really really unique experience that you don't see very often. So yes. I like it. Um, so Austin, yeah, you've been playing some more Temtem. Yes, I haven't played any video games this week, everybody. So I'm going to let Austin talk okay. and Thank go you. into Temtem. So so what? What, how far are you? Like, how much have you played since last time we played? So, I'm almost five hours in. Okay. And I thought it was actually more because a lot has happened between my play times. Like, I put, I just sat there and I was just playing and playing and playing. I guess it wasn't that long. Like, it's, it kind of blows my mind how much, how fast this game is in the sense that, you know, in Pokemon, I'd still be in the starting area. Yeah. <laughs> type thing. Um, given that the new Pokemon Sword and Shield, they have a lot of open areas, so there's a lot to kind of explore. Um, this one's very linear, just like traditional, I guess, you know, sun or not sun, uh, you know, red and blue. Yeah. Uh, are kind of like that. And I'm really enjoying it, man. I'm at the point where I'm going to fight the first dojo. Uh, have you done it yet or are you just going there? I was just about to do it. So I stopped. Uh, as actually, I was about to do that when we were uh, gaming last night. Okay. Yeah, I was showing Sarah the game, so she was like, "Oh yeah, it's cool." Yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the combat, man. Having two Tim Tims out allows for a, a way deeper uh, um, battle, and having to be thoughtful about how you pursue a battle because. You know, I still don't have, I mean, it's basically like Pokemon, you know, the same element types are strong and weak against those, whatever that is. And I try to use that to my advantage, but I don't know what, like the Tim Tims, I don't know which is which, right? Because yeah. <laughs> they're not exactly straightforward about that unless they're like, okay, this is clearly an amphibious creature, like, um, uh, you know, uh, a fire Tim Tim or whatever. So I tried my best to use that to my knowledge, but, you know, the more you play, the more you figure out what's good and what's bad against certain things but there's plenty of times where I, like it's just a, a simple battle coming up i would have to you know one of my my main psychic starter pokemon uh i'm just gonna call it pokemon because it's easier that way mm-hmm. uh they would you know go down because some other tim tim was much harder uh or did you know more damage and i like how it tells you too it's like this did two times damage or this did four times damage because it's so weak against it um so I have to like figure out how I'm going to attack this other one, bring out a new one, try to revive my main one because potentially the next one coming out could be something that's weaker against it. So like I want to have that Tim Tim ready to go. So I had, did this dance where like one of my Tim Tims wouldn't be battling because I'd be using its turn to revive my other guys, especially if I was low on everyone's had low health and stuff. So there's just just this dance you got to do, especially on the harder battles, man. Yeah. Like I fought, fought my first boss. Technically she wasn't a do in the dojo. She was a, just a person who was part of the main story that 
was really tough and had like five Tim Tims. So, oh, jeez. Uh, dude, it was back and forth, back and forth. And um, having the bombs or the like the health potions is very, very important. Like I'd made sure I had a bunch of those. Uh, I made sure I had a few revives. And um, luckily you get a bunch of bomb pluses. So instead of healing 25, you get 75. So I'm like, those are really good too. So if I didn't have those, I'd be going, I would have to start over so many times. Like and in Pokemon Sword and Shield, like you don't really you have those, but those aren't like super important, right? No, not really. Yeah. Uh, have you played any human players? I have not. Okay, I don't even know you could do that yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You can. I think you can just go up to them. I don't know if you can if you have to interact with them or how it works oh. out, but I know you can battle yeah. uh, human players in the game that that's are wandering cool. around. Yeah, that's but, cool. But um, that's awesome. I was I was uh saw an article come out today yesterday a couple days ago apparently so once you like finish the game there's like an end game mode to it that they've added oh. called sci park and it's basically their wild area mm. version of stuff and nice. it's designed to where um it changes every single week and there's a big there's incentives to check it out so there's a higher chance of creatures appearing in unique luma colors which i guess is something cool and special and they also have egg moves as well as better stats generally so um you have to get special gear called side cards to capture the monsters inside and while you can buy more each person purchase gets progressively more expensive you need to pay a fee to enter but unlike the safari zone which is from pokemon there doesn't seem to be a, a step limit or something like that so basically it sounds like once you finish the game like you have the option to capture more temtem by going into this like wild area and look for rare Pokemon that change every week. Not as cool. Yeah. Again, we apologize for using Pokemon Tim Tim interchangeably. It's just so hard to, <laughs> to grasp that because uh, there's so much alike. But yeah, another thing was, you know, now in Sword and Shield, they made it where, you know, all your Pokemon get like level up a little bit at least, right? right from any battle. But in this one, they take it back to the old days where only the ones who are battling get the XP. And so that requires you to actually go out and fight battles in the wild, you know, to help level up some of your Tim Tim. And it's very beneficial. And I finally had one Tim Tim, Tim Tim evolve. So that was interesting. So I was like, this is a new like transition mechanic. What's going on here? And it was like, Oh, this one's, you know, evolving. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So now I'm trying to get my main Tim Tim, my starter Tim Tim to evolve and it's taken forever. It's almost level 25. It hasn't evolved. Damn. I was like, man, I'm surprised this one's grabbed you so much. I, I'm, I'm glad that it's like, caught your attention yeah because uh yeah pokemon i'm still playing sword and shield off and on but not as much as i was right. but i kind of want to i just want temtem to show up on the switch now which sounds like it will be but i just want it now so i feel like this is a win-win for nintendo because would you call it a temtem win-win <laughs> i would not <laughs> I, I i feel like one well i feel like they just kind of have to change now Especially seeing yeah. this, you know, Tim Tim is successful right now, and you know they might even get another iteration of it. But I feel like it's too big, too it's it's too popular right now for Pokemon not to notice or Niantic not to notice. Yeah, right. Like they have to take notice of this, and they can only get better from this. Like even if they made a semi clone of what Tim Tim is into Pokemon, like Pokemon wins, right? And Tim Tim could easily be pushed to the wayside. Um, but not necessarily true because Tim Tim has a lot of interesting 
you know, creatures in there that people might fall in love with and want to continue pushing forward. But again, as we saw with the cells with Sword and Shield, Pokemon is still really, really big and popular. So I don't know. I feel like this is just going to help Pokemon grow, which is great because they need to change. Um, but I'm just curious how fast they'll change with this right. being out there. I just feel like they just can't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And if they have a large potion, a uh, potion portion of the community go over to Tim Tim, especially when it comes out on the Switch, you might have a big issue there. I feel like I, I don't agree. know yet. Yeah, I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see where the implications go and how this pans out. But I feel like things are gonna have to change for Pokemon at this point. Hails, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Well, awesome. Let's uh. Let's wrap it up, I guess, for the games we yeah. played this week. Oh, that's it. That's all so, I got. Uh, if you want to play games with us each and every week or even join us on a stream every Wednesday, you can join us on our Discord channel. Check out the link in the show notes. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell your friend uh, or friends. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our video game news. Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con-like dream hack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. And this week, we finally had a real direct, not a fake direct, like I accidentally got fallen for on Twitter one day when they said, oh, there's a direct coming up tomorrow. And I looked at it and realized, nope, that's not real. That was a fake Twitter account. But So you found, wait, the Nintendo not know about this or something? No, it's just I happen to see a direct like tweet. Right. Yeah. But it was from like Nintendo of America with some other characters at the end of it. Oh. So they just had a fake profile that they I made. Gotcha. And they were announcing a direct coming. I gotcha. It's like some of a bitch. You look too quickly. I got tricked. I got tricked into it. But it's okay because now we had a real direct and it was all about Animal awesome. Crossing. Awesome. So Austin loves Animal Crossing. Love it. Austin, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for this? Zero. Game? <laughs> Well, on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a seven right now. Oh. But I might go higher as time goes on because okay. I just I don't know. Apparently people love this game and I want to know why. And I haven't played much of it. I played Animal Crossing, the mobile game when that came out, which is a very like light version of it. But I love Stardew Valley. So I'm hoping that this is kind of that Stardew Valley mindset. Well, I know Luis was really digging Animal Crossing and yeah. uh I feel like, you know, when he was growing up, and he's younger than we are, that he was obviously grew up with this game as part of you know probably one of his first main games that he'd get for I don't know what console was on anyway Nintendo consoles yeah I, at 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 this point uh, wait I didn't know it was on 3ds or something like that oh yeah it was on 3ds okay. at one point two they've yes. had they've had them out for a while okay I don't know if they I, were ever my I don't know though if they were ever on 
I think they were also on console consoles. Probably. But it sounds like more of a you know mobile game kind of experience. But here we go. Animal Crossing Pocket Cam came out in 2017. We had Amiibo Festival in 2015 on the Wii U. We had Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer in 2015. We had Animal Crossing New New Leaf in 2012 that came out on the 3DS. Um, Interesting. Animal Crossing. There's just been a lot of Animal Crossings, but they've all done really well, apparently. So, Yeah. So Animal Crossing New Horizons is here. And in this game, there's a couple of new features that they announced. I'm uh, pulling this from uh, Polygon. And uh, they kind of gave a summary of what this game is going to be. And that Batman looks terrible. <laughs> yes, it does. All right. Yeah. Random, I pulled something else up. Sorry. All right. <laughs> so uh, you can choose your island and your hemisphere. So now you're able to choose from four island options to find your desired layout. And uh, you won't have to start completely over to get a layout you like. And you can also select what hemisphere you want your island to be in. So you'll have different experience experiences during the season throughout the year. So one thing that they're adding to this game that's different than previous games is that it's technically being treated as a live service game in that as weeks go by, seasons will change and it also changes things you can do, uh, things you can you can interact with and just the look of the world generally. So you'll have your four different seasons that will transition throughout your course of playing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so based on what hemisphere you choose, if you choose a southern hemisphere, then you'll be experiencing summer when everybody else is experiencing winter. Um, so you can kind of pick and choose your what that gives you. I don't know, but it's interesting. So people are si- simultaneously playing in different seasons. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And then uh, you can place where your villagers' homes will go. So new villagers don't just go down anywhere, ruining landscaping. You'll decide where they go yourself. You can even have a spot for a future resident before they move in. Um, Up to eight people can be on one island via multiplayer. So they have a service called Dodo Airlines where up to eight people can play together at once. You can have up to eight residents on one island playing on one copy of the game. But only four can play on local multiplayer at once. So I guess that means eight different people can sign in and play using a game with their own account on that same island and build stuff. So like if you have a family or whatever, I think that's kind of how that operates. But if you're playing with your friends, you can have four people all independently playing Mm -hmm. on a single local multiplayer connection in the same island. So you can build together kind of Minecraft style, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can complete achievements to earn Nook Miles, and you can use those to buy items or pay off some of your loans that you have because vacation's not free. <laughs> then this is also really cool. Uh, if you get lost on your island or simply just don't want to walk back to your house, they have a thing of that's akin to fast travel, but it's called a rescue service. And you oh. can get a rescue service to come out and pick you up and bring you back to where you want to go. And then uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf and Happy Home Designer designs will be importable. So if you played older games of Animal Crossing in the last couple of years, Mm. you can scan a QR code and import those designs into New Horizons. And then you can also decorate your homes from an overhead view. So instead of you having your little character in the world, you can basically do Sims-like creation of decorating your home that you have. And you can terraform the entire island. So once you get a permit, you can not only make paths, but extend or remove rivers and even out some of the land. So really, there's a boatload of customization you can do to make this island kind of yours in any way. 
And then uh, random people can't mess up your town. And then there'll be free updates adding holidays. So the first event will be Bunny Day in April. And it'll be a day one update on March 20th. And then as time goes on, the seasons will change. You'll get, you know, new uh, things you can do, all that stuff as the game progresses. So that's Animal Crossing New Horizons coming out in March. Interesting. Getting closer and closer. And I, for one, am excited. Cool. That's one of us. There we go. It's gonna be it's gonna be just legendary. <laughs> legendary. Oh dang, I messed it up. Yeah. So now to go on to some less exciting news. Um, coronavirus is in full force right now. And uh, as a result of that, we've had big companies that are pulling out of upcoming events. So PlayStation has announced that they will not be present at PAX East in the next coming weeks because of fears of the coronavirus. Additionally, Oculus and Facebook and PlayStation have all pulled out of GDC uh, as well because of coronavirus. Uh, GDC was set to be held March 16th through the 20th, and they will no longer be there because they don't want to be there. And Sony said, quote, we felt this was the best option as the situation related to the virus and global travel restrictions are changing daily. We are disappointed to cancel our participation, but the health and safety of our global workforce is our highest concern. And um, as I mentioned, also PAX East is coming in Boston February 27th. So PAX East is actually next week. So that'll be interesting to see what comes out of it because there's a lot of things that are that have been rumored to be announced at PAX East. So yes. I'm looking forward to seeing what we get out of that. Yes, that's going to be interesting. What could have been right, and what right. will be. Yeah, and they're, st- they're still saying that uh, a lot of these, these groups are still going to broadcast. So, for example, um, Facebook said that although they're not going to be there, they still plan to share the exciting announcements for the show through videos, online Q&As, and more, and will plan to host GDC partner meetings remotely in the coming weeks. <sighs> So they're still going to have a presence. They just won't be there on site, so they right. don't spread it. Look, thank um, goodness for the internet. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> like, know. Uh, like, we could technically do PAX East without actually having to hold an event. Which, which is crazy. Which is kind of which is stupid at the same time, but... I don't know, man. Maybe we should hold an online conference. I mean, it'd be cool, for sure. But, I mean, at the, I mean, if no one had one place to everyone go to and meet up and hang out, like, there wouldn't... There'd be no reason to have a PAX East online because everyone just do their own thing at their own time. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, we could if we needed to just to, you know, hold us over till next year. Hopefully all this coronavirus blows by and everyone's good. Yeah. Well, according to Vox, the virus has already infected more than 75,000 people in two months. And of them, 2,130 people have died. (laughs) So it is quite a widespread virus. Yes. Um. And what was really kind of scary when this first started coming out is that sales of Plague Incorporated increased when this virus that. came. Yeah. I um, said they were using that to kind of try to help them learn about how viruses yeah, spread. I and was then like, they what? came out and were like, yeah, don't use this because this is not a good example. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're actually using the wow, uh, the wow um, thing that happened early on in its lifetime as uh, an example. Wow. So there was a dungeon epidemic. Yes, there was an epidemic in WoW. Okay. So there was a dungeon you can go into, and I forgot the circumstances, but you would get hit by one of the bosses or someone in the dungeon, and you would bleed health um, over time. I Obviously, if you're a higher level, you don't doesn't bleed that bad. But I think you, if you did something special, if you're a hunter, your pet would get it, but it wouldn't go away from them. So you would 
hearth out to a city. And as they were walking around, every time they bleed, I think if they got close to somebody, it would spread. So it would spread to NPCs. Was and that then like other people would design? No, it was just a bug. And How then, did that happen? Yeah, everyone go look this up. This is amazing. And then other, like, obviously they'd go into the main big cities and it would start spreading. And then all the, you know, the the weak, you know, level one, level two people would get it and they would die immediately, like after a few minutes. <laughs> so like it kept spreading and spreading and like they literally had to go in there quickly and debug this thing. Literally create a vaccine yes. for this yes. bug. Yeah, it, like you would go in the cities, there would just be piles of bodies everywhere. I watched one of the videos and it was ridiculous. I, I could not, I literally couldn't believe it. They said it was, that's crazy. They said that it was, it's called the corrupted blood incident and it's a virtual pandemic in WoW, which began on September 13th, 2005 and lasted for a week. Yep. It began with the introduction of the new raid, Zol Gurub, and its end boss, Hakar the Soul Flayer. That's crazy. How did yeah. I not know that? Yeah. This is a while ago. That's the thing. We should do like a discussion topic on that and like yes. dive deep into it. Honestly, I didn't know that was even a thing. It's very, crazy. very interesting. Well, that's like whenever uh, in Mythic Quest, the TV show, there was a part where they introduced a uh, new weapon. And then seeing what people like whenever you introduce a new thing in the game, seeing how the meta changes from that new thing that you introduce is really, really interesting and fascinating. Nice. Um, and then how people respond to it and either they love it or they hate it. Yeah. And then they're but in this case, it's just, yeah, like how how is that? I don't know how that thing could have happened with Alpine intentional. It just seems baffling to me. Yeah, but it did. That's that's crazy. Yep. So um all right, so we talked about this one already. Uh, take me to the next article we got. Okay, here. you got it. You we got, got it. Borderlands. So Borderlands, as we know, PAX is coming out, uh, or not? Yeah, PAX East next week. So Borderlands Three, when they launched it, leading up to the launch, and then after the launch, they announced this program called the Vault Insider Program, which gave you free in-game stuff. So you could do things on their website um, to get awards and points. Um, and those points would allow you to unlock free stuff in the game. Well, Gearbox has come out and said that the Vault Insider program is going to be shut down May 18th of 2020. So they said that players who have any Vault Insider points before that date must spend them before that date because then they will be gone completely. So (coughs) they didn't say why they're getting rid of it, they just said they're losing right, money. It's gone. It's gonna be rid of. So sorry. So there that's that's it. It's going away. So better get them points spent quickly. Wait, it's not with the vault keys, is it? Uh no. Can you get those vault but keys? But you can and- get vault keys through it, oh, okay. I believe. But you get points for like if you log on and create an account on the website, you get points. Mm. If you um <coughs> view a news article, you get points. If you um, there's there's different things that you can do that just grant you points that you can then use to purchase like right. like here you can use it to purchase skins and things like that in the game yeah. without actually spending money. So well, they're probably just gonna me. have microtransactions. Yeah. Good for know. me. I don't care about this game anymore. Well, I still like it. How is it still alive? It's, it's probably good. barely still alive. I love it. I play it all the time. I know. It's just like at some point you gotta be bored and done with this game. There's there's not that much to do in it. That's how I feel with WoW. 
<laughs> There's a lot to do in that, but I, I definitely agree no, I'm with just you. kidding. At some uh, point, you feel like I've done a lot of things. Again. Yeah, I haven't played in a while. I want to go back into it, though, just to finish it out, because I'm so close. I have, like, two missions left, and I think I beat the game, hmm. which I just I fell off of it, because I just fell off of all games. Um, and I don't know what games are anymore. Like, like, do they exist? Like, <laughs> yes. what are games? What are games? Side note, know. we had a LAN party yesterday, <laughs> and we spent most of the time actually <laughs> downloading games for Brett to play with us. And uh, we ended up just playing board games. Yeah, so lesson learned. Uh, LAN parties are not what they used to be because every fucking game requires a download and a patch. And then when the patches are out, they're, like, massive. And then Steam will corrupt your shit and then make you have to download a 55 gigabyte file again. And then Austin's fiber internet was slow. <laughs> and I was like, I can't win. <laughs> I think it's because we're using a 300 foot cord to get well, the internet to Brett's computer. And I even pre-downloaded that shit. And I thought it was almost done. But I was like, I told him I'd be there by six. I had to get there by six. So I canceled it. I stopped the download when there was nine minutes left. And I was like, I'll just, I, I didn't cancel it. it. I, I just know, like yeah. had nine minutes left. So I was like, I'll pause it because that's what Steam's designed for is to like do partial downloads and then resume them later. Yeah. So I resumed it later. And what happened? It broke and corrupted. Corruption. Stupid. You know, what probably helped if you just went closer to the, um, to the, anyway, moving on. Yeah. If I had a better cord, it would have been great. Yeah, it would have been great. Borderlands. Oh, All right. <laughs> Again. So more Borderlands. Uh, Eli Roth is directing a Borderlands movie. Remember Eli Roth? He like does a bunch of horror movies where he like has blood and guts and shit fly everywhere and chaos. So this is the perfect movie for him. Well, he with Chernobyl writer Craig Mazin. Ooh, Chernobyl writer. That's good. Are, That's a good writer. Uh, going to be working on the latest draft and uh, working on a movie with Lionsgate and Take-Two Interactive. And they announced that... Uh, he would be doing it through Randy Pitchford's twi Twitter. And he says, I quote, I'm very excited to welcome Eli Roth as director of the Borderlands movie in development with Lionsgate, Lionsgate and A-Rad Productions. Please welcome Eli Roth to the team and be sure to catch the Gearbox official main theater show at PAX East on 227 to learn more. And then Roth followed up later on and said, I quote, I'm so excited to dive in the world of Borderlands and I could not be doing it with a better script, producing team and studio. I have a long successful history with Lionsgate. I feel like we have grown up together and that everything in my directing career has led to a project of this scale and ambition. So here we are. Eli Roth is directing a Borderlands film. I am. It, how do you feel about this? The question is, has there ever been a really good uh, video game movie uh, and the answer we, is maybe Sonic apparently but everything else has <laughs> sucked <laughs> yeah well we were talking about this I was talking with Joe from a nerd sloth shout out to nerd sloth and uh, me and him and Chris were sitting there chatting about this conversation and they said that nice. they were shaming me for not having seen the Mortal Kombat movie which one like the first one oh that it was ever made have you seen it? Yes, it was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, I never saw it. And but I was like, a kid, so yeah. it doesn't hold up. <laughs> they said that one, and then they also said the Street Fighter movie. I never saw either. Yeah, it was pretty but like good too, I didn't but... play, I didn't watch movie games or movies at all. But those are all those are all cheesy films. Well, so that's the point. It's like they were cheesy. So like they haven't really had a good film. Film. Yeah. Like the Doom movie that had the Rock in it was terrible, and then yes. Assassin's Creed I heard wasn't very good. No. Now, Mythic Resident Quest Evil. is good. Resident Evil. Yeah, bad. Resident Evil is man. All of them are bad. Um, I just, I mean, I can see how you can make this an interesting film. I mean, you got sort of a 
borderline or like baseline starting point. Hey, vault hunters. Hey, you can make industry characters. You got to get to the vaults. A lot of other things can ensue. But do you make it a unique story outside of what we know already, but like the similar, you know, uh, you know, key points to hit on? Or is, you know, Jack going to come back and be part of this? You know, that's that's my question. Like, how are they going to base this film? I feel like yeah. they do all new characters. You're a vault hunter, so yeah, you got to go for the vault. Other crazy things will sue. Hopefully it's sort of like an anime where it's, you know, fun and ridiculous, but at the end there's actually a heartfelt story, which probably is not what's going to happen here. It's Eli Roth, though. Like, I'm looking at his, his pedigree. Like, he hasn't done a lot of movies, right? He did Hostel, Hostel 2. Oh, my gosh. Cabin Fever, and then Knock Knock, and then uh, Green Inferno. But all the stuff he's done has just been really intense, crazy, chaotic, like dark, which I mean is appropriate for him in a way because it's like fucked up and that's like what they need it to be kind of. But at the same time, like he's not known for like heartfelt story stuff, but maybe he'll change his mind with this. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it doesn't have to be heartfelt. I just want a decent story in there with like some twists and turns. Yeah. Anyway, done with this. Not super positive about it, but no. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. All right. Um, this is Randy's idea, wasn't it? Damn it, Randy! It was Randy's idea. All right. So last week we talked about uh, uh, Activision Blizzard pulling all of their games uh, from the NVIDIA uh, new service called GeForce Now, and it has later come out to say that that was a quote misunderstanding between NVIDIA and Activision Blizzard that they were only intending to put them on the beta and not actually on the full launch, which I think is a cop-out, but that's whatever. That's stupid. Why would you do that? To be But uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be launching on NVIDIA's cloud gaming service. Very so, nice. Very nice. Again, to reiterate what this means is that it's not that you can stream it on GeForce Now. It's that if you bought the game on a platform such as Steam, you can also stream it using GeForce's Now technology. So you still have to have purchased it somewhere, and then it lets you stream it which I found out last night that I can stream. Um, I didn't realize that this was a thing. I, I did, but I didn't because I'd never seen it in action. Yes. But I can stream games that are installed on my PC through Steam. So any game that I had installed on my PC at home because my PC was on when I was over at your house and we were playing LAN party, any of those games it. I could automatically stream them and not have to download them. So I had like 30 games I could have played, but yeah. everybody wanted to play Warhammer. So that was where we were. So... And that game I had installed like five <laughs> times. So I was tired of playing Warhammer. Uh, so, that's hilarious, Brett. I guess I'll have to keep it installed just yes. for y'all crazy people. Yes, exactly. But uh, yeah, so that was that was because I had Risk of Rain. We could have played Risk of Rain. I was down for that. Yeah, I would have been down to play it too. But Dang. everybody was like, no, it's Dang. Warhammer. Let's play Warhammer. Right. Yeah, backstory. Anyway. But uh, so that was really interesting. So G GeForce members can play their Steam copy when it releases on September 17th. Founders subscribers will get access to RTX on a higher fidelity resolution using ray tracing technology. And NVIDIA said the high resolution will be fully optimized and instantly available even on your Mac laptop. Well, that's badass. So on the helm of that. So badass, Stadia. Uh, Bethesda has come out and they have, for whatever reason, removed all of their games from GeForce Now. So I do not get why this is happening because you still have to buy the damn game somewhere. So Bethesda's getting money. Why block them? It's probably because Bethesda's got their own streaming service coming out because they have talked about that last mm. year. Yeah. They announced that streaming technology they were doing. Yeah. 
And then maybe, or maybe what it is, maybe what it is is Google Stadia was like, no, fuck these guys. I'm going to put like a freaking lawyer at you guys because Bethesda's already on Stadia yep. and then Activision Blizzard's on Stadia. So yep. maybe Stadia was like, no, screw you guys. I'm going home unless you pull your shit from GeForce now. And then that's what they did. So stupid. We're seeing those come off of there, which, uh, yeah, it's just we've we've seen with Epic Game Store what exclusivity does to you on a PC platform. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it. But for whatever reason, Wolfenstein Youngblood is still there. But every other game is gone. <laughs> Probably because nobody plays Wolfenstein Youngblood. Oh, my gosh. All right. Next story. Uh, ha- happier story. What's up? This one's a happier story. Uh, oh wait, no, that's not it. I don't. Sorry, uh, that's not my story. <laughs> right, that's that's my <laughs> I was like, story. What are you talking about? I don't. That's not. I mean, we finished uh, the stories. That's yes. it. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's my bad. I, I don't know what I'm even looking at. What is? I this? don't know what you're looking at. That's what I just talked about. Oh, Bethesda. did I just skip it? Oh, I just. I think you it. did. Yeah, I think okay. you were just like jumping around everywhere. Yeah, so, hey, we're um, done, guys. I mean, if you want to, we can talk about the Batman set photos, which looks like garbage. Yeah, but, why not? Um, uh, so I don't know if y'all saw that. Stupid. Robert Patterson's gonna be Batman. And uh, they just release on Polygon uh, pictures of what he looks like in his costume. Why does he have no eyes? He can't see. I, I think they're going to do 3D stuff with it. I don't believe it. I think that's fake. I don't know. Fake news. This is the Batmobile. It looks so stupid. No, it's a bat cycle. Sorry, bat cycle. I don't know. I don't know. What no, it, is. it is the bat cycle. Yeah. It's stupid. It is kind of weird. He, look, I had an issue with him, but I mean, he did a little promo video for his walking out and revealing the bat suit, and that was cool, but he just. This helmet is all wrong. All this is wrong. He looks old. That's why yeah, it is. The arms look cool. Yeah, like everything under the cowl is great. Yeah, if y'all are driving right now, you should pull over on the side of the road and pull up. Oh, there is a cool picture. Uh, you should pull pull up uh, pictures of the bat suit um, for Batman and see what's going to happen with that. I just don't buy it. I don't buy it either. Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. He's Jeffrey Wright. Oh, she's going to be Catwoman. That's cool. Interesting. Jonah Hill is not the penguin. Thank goodness. Colin Farrell could be the penguin. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, hey, Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Okay. That'd be okay. Wrong Colin. All right. Anyway, if y'all want to watch these in video format, <laughs> check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash gamer and make sure you subscribe to get the videos as they launch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our discussion topic about the greatest video game destinations. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Hello everyone and welcome back. Each week we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry and this week we are going to be talking about the greatest video game destinations for gamers alike. Of all time, 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 time. time. Not all time, but yeah, here's some good ones. So this uh, conversation, give you a little idea of what we're looking at here. We are going into uh, looking at very highly curated game worlds. So we're going to exclude games that are uh, procedurally generated worlds. We aren't going to include things that had taken place on multiple different places all over the place. We want to focus on one world where you can go anywhere in that world and explore it. So you'd be like, where's Mass Effect? Well, there's like five planets there that you go to or six or seven planets, but it's not like just go anywhere kind of world space like these games are. So that's why those aren't going to be here. But I think we have a really good collection here of games and worlds that just are amazing and Mm -hmm. beautiful and incredible. Mm -hmm. So let's kick it off with 
our first destination we're going to travel to. I'm going to take you back to many, oh. many moons ago. Oh, no. And a little town. Too, moon, too many moons. Not even a town, a country <laughs> called Italy. Yeah. <laughs> with Assassin's Creed 2. If y'all remember Assassin's it Creed 2, it was the Ezio Altatore mm-hmm. series. The franchise. best assassin of all time. The best assassin of all time. And in Italy, you travel to places like Venice and right. Florence. Yep. And the way in which they captured a space, like this game got me want to go to Italy. Yeah. Haven't done it yet, but it got me wanting to go. There you go. And being able to explore and read the history and the culture of this architecture and these locales. And they also even had some historical references in there where you met Leonardo da Vinci himself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like that was just fascinating to see how realized and alive this world was. And this was that time where, you know, with Assassin's Creed one, they introduced uh, Jerusalem and stuff like that, which was awesome. Yep. But the graphics weren't to the level of detail that they were in this point in time where you really got to see the essence of these worlds. Yep. Now, obviously now it's like way above and beyond anything, but that those moments were fascinating. Yeah. No, it was a good time, especially running around, doing all the parkour across the city, get on the rooftops, like, yeah, jumping in the water, swimming around, like going into the crowds. Like th- this is one of the first games I was like, wow, this, this is, this is a real living, breathing world, especially from back in the day to see that fully realized. Yeah, and I really liked in these ones where, uh, I mean, like in Rome, you have the Colosseum that you could go explore. And I love that they had the uh, vantage points, which some people argue that they got really repetitive after a while. But I like doing the vantage points early on and achieving all those because it unlocked the fog of war across the map. And in addition to that, you got to see these buildings and these landmarks that you've seen in history, but climb them mm. and get on top of them and then leap off the top of the building and yeah. then uncover that whole new space, which yeah. unlocked a lot of new things. Right. So that I, was, that was pretty, pretty if awesome. If I'm correct, I think they had like little dungeons you can go into and try to get high level gear by completing the jungle gym, uh, puzzle. Yeah. I think that was, uh, or is that the third one that might, no, that wasn't, uh, what was the third of this two series brotherhood? Maybe no, I think this one, one of those. It wasn't AC two. Yeah, maybe like, it was Brotherhood. But it was like Revelations or Brotherhood. One of those it introduced that okay, okay. mechanic. That and yeah, that was super awesome. But no, that was part of the Assassin's Creed two series. Okay, so cool. It was it was definitely there. Um, I just can't remember which of those it was. But yeah, that was really awesome. Yeah. It was like kind of I tombs, really, like Tomb Raidering yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, so our next destination that we're going to travel to, now we're going to go back to a time roughly around, I want to say it was 1949, 1948, somewhere Damn. around there. It was uh, New Year's Eve. and uh, <laughs> Was it? Yeah, I think it was New Year's Eve in this setting where oh, they, okay. they captured this moment. Oh, okay. And uh, let me make sure because I don't want to be lying out of my teeth. Lying but, out of your teeth, man. What the heck? You just don't You want to you be taking... Taken as a as a liar. We don't want people calling us out on the internet. Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's what they do. They like to just say, "Hey, you don't know what you're talking about." But uh, we're talking about Bioshock here, everybody. And uh, in Bioshock, they take you to a little place called Rapture, which is uh, yeah, Happy New Year, 1959. So I said 40s, but I meant 1959. So the moment that they captured in this was a city under the water, which was created to be like a uh, a beautiful luxurious 
place to get away from where the ultra wealthy, I guess, would go and visit and live here amongst the water in the in the oceans. And uh, when you get there and start exploring it, Mm -hmm. I mean, the place is ripped to shreds and falling apart. Yeah. But you still see those remnants of this beauty and world that they had built and established. And you see the leftover bits of this moment in time that was captured Mm -hmm. that got destroyed because of Andrew Ryan himself and all of his cronies. Um, Damn you, Ryan. Damn you, Ryan. But... Man, that that was the that game, Bioshock, was the first game that made me be like, I I just want to stop and look at everything. Yeah. And explore this destin these destinations, like like uh like every area that you explored had a different kind of tone and vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um and Dead Space kinda had that too. But yeah, every yeah. place had had a bit of a story to it, which was really, really awesome. It's like what happened in this room during this time? Yeah. And they also had the um, the little audio books, didn't they? Or little uh, audio recordings. Yes, they did have some audio recordings okay. scattered around. So yeah, it could like really fill out what was going on, who were the people there, what was happening to them and the city around. And yeah, I remember walking through this too, and I was like, man, goodness! Like, there's already a great story of like why the city exists, and then obviously it had you know, it was like. Um, the industrial revolution type thing. And then, you know, it all went to hell and how did it go to hell and where is it at now? And <laughs> there's actual politics being played still. There's just so much happening. And yeah, the city, the city sets up a lot of good storytelling, which you don't get to see in a lot of games these days. Yeah. There's some. There's yeah. Some. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know that, that was a, a beautiful world. Just the, the use of capturing that moment with the neon lights everywhere and just the darkness of being on a water and the fact that, you know, electricity wasn't as, as big of a thing there, but then like the, the, the tubes that took you from like one building to another and how you, when you walked out in there, it was like this glass tube with like the fauna and stuff yeah, or like the water all around you. And you could see outward to all these things and be like, wow, there was, this was once a living, breathing underwater city. Yeah. And now it's just big daddies everywhere. Yeah. And then little sisters that, Everybody wants to kill you yes. and destroy you. Monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, now, we're going to come back to more recent times. Cool. And we're going like to venture it. into a world. I like it. Where you're an author and you decide, I can't handle and write <laughs> in this city that I live in. Right. So let's go out to the middle of nowhere in a little, little town called Bright Falls. Mm. In good Alan town. Wake. Yes, it good was town. a good town until you get there and find out Things are fucked up. Yeah, I forget how normal. Yeah, I forgot the whole like story of how they got to like really fucked up. But yeah, well, so I remember with this game that um, so this is in Washington, mm-hmm. and the author Alan Wake was coming here to write his book, and his wife was like, "You need to get out of here and go somewhere because you're struggling right here." So go. He decides he's just going to move out to this small town and just focus on his writing. So he gets out there, and what ends up happening is the things that he's writing are coming to life, Mm. and he's living the pages of his book. And they there's these weird creatures that are out there. So whenever the night falls, you go out, and your flashlight is used as the thing that you like kill the bad guys with and stuff like that. But um, the premise behind this was just really really interesting because this is quiet serene town where it just it was just all jacked up pacific northwest 
Um, it was a vacation away from home. And uh, you find that it's not as pleasant as you once thought it would be. Um, and it was beautiful. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. And then towards the end, did you beat the game? I don't remember. Yeah. It was, uh, well, spoiler alert, but it doesn't matter because it's been like years <laughs> so since long, this game yeah. came out. I think like 2000, 2009. Um, so when it came out, the uh, the end game, you, you were going through this dam and then eventually get to this point where you are in this like other dimension thing and you're trying to get your words back and there's like this maze you're traveling through and there's like words everywhere. You have to shine your light on to like get those words back. And then eventually you're trying to get to your wife who is on this island in the middle of this lake and you can't get to her because I guess your words have encompassed. I don't remember exactly how that all played in. I just remember it was really weird and fucked up. And then you finally get there and then you find her and you get to this house and you realize you've just like kind of trapped yourself into this like world of your creation. And then it kind of just ends and then you're stuck there. I don't know. That's not exactly how it went, but so it's not all in his mind. It's kind of, it was all in his mind. Okay. Sort of. You know, I just need to play it again because it's a good game. It. it is good. And the area is very nice. Well, well, at least for the time, it was very well designed and stuff. And, you know, especially early on before all the craziness happens, you're like, yeah, I could I could definitely, I'd, I'd take a trip out here, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it was it was cool. And remember the, do you remember them making the prequel videos for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really oh, interesting. Yeah. They're on iTunes specifically for a while. Yeah. They're probably on YouTube now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Little live action shorts. It was awesome. Um, I still want them to bring that back. Yes. In some capacity with uh, some uh, control. I think that would be a good film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really would be. Um, I know they talked about it, but it never never came to fruition. All right. So now we're going to take you to some fantasy lands. We're going to travel to a place. Full of dragons. Far, far away. A galaxy far, far away. Yes, we're going to Star Wars. Yes. Star Trek. Yeah. Space. No, no I'm just it's, it's Skyrim. <laughs> it's, it's Skyrim. It's Skyrim. It's Skyrim. And this, this destination is awesome because Brett would know. He'd never been there. I've been there for eight hours. It, really? Yeah. Eight, eight hours? Eight to ten hours of the game. Wow. Yeah. I just struggled. I see that. Yeah. Anyway. I, I put some time into it. I explored a lot. I mean, the reason why this is such a great destination is there's so much to see, such vast world with different, you know, uh, areas of, you know, fauna and wildlife and creatures and enemies and dungeons and caves and nooks and crannies that have different little story bits in there. And I just feel like you can walk around this game for more than 10 hours and never get bored of it. Um, I like some people. And oh, yeah, I got bored. <laughs> there's castles to look, cities to travel in, people to meet and talk to. Like, this is a li- real And every living, one of them is empty. Breathing world. No, and you're, you just, it's just so hard to, for me, to not find, not, not have a good time in that and, and really kind of just lose yourself. And, you know, you can really play that RPG aspect in it. And, yeah, I just, there's just so much to see, especially if you get mods for it. Oh, my gosh, it looks beautiful. Beautiful. What do you think the best, like, what was, what was the thing that kept you wanting to explore? Like, was there, like, were you going after something or was it just the, this, I this never wanting saw to everything. see more of the world? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know, every playthrough you find something new and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Whether it be like 
a cool little side quest or, you know, meeting someone new or trying out something different. Like I think most of the time was like, Hey, I've played an archer. I played a, you know, a hunter type character this whole time. Let me do something more like magic or let me do like a mix of stuff or, you know, now let me go find like the best armor. It was just always like a quest to do something better, bigger and better every time. Yeah. I remember finding a, something upon a dungeon or like a cave somewhere up in the hills and then going inside there and finding this really cool, like, like waterfall th- space where there was like water, like trickling down in this cave. Oh yeah. But there was like sparkly lights and stuff inside of it, like mm-hmm. kind of shimmering in a weird glistening way. And that was, that was really interesting. And then I died because <laughs> some enemy came after I me died. and I realized I was underleveled and couldn't handle it. Right. Right. But it was cool when I found it for that mm-hmm. brief moment. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Before I died. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, so the next destination we want to explore and travel to is a little place where you're on a train. Snake's on a train. No, I'm just kidding. But you're oh, on a train new movie. traveling into a new world in Half-Life 2 to a place called City 17. And City 17 is a great example of a place that is just fucked up. <laughs> it's in chaos. Things are in chaos. Martial law. Yep. Martial law. Eastern European country taken over by the Combine. It's their main headquarters here. And uh, you see a lot of dystopian society. You see horrible treatment from the Combine soldiers. Uh, You see the resistance people that are like, you know, held up in these little like shacky underground sewer areas and stuff like that. And your goal is to find out what's going on and fight the bad guys with your gravity gun. So yeah, great destination, guys. <clears throat> Don't you want to go there? Great destination. It's <laughs> exactly wanna... where I want to be. I just want to like <laughs> live and breathe here yeah. all the time. <laughs> if you want to be a hero, you go to the City 17. What's those big tall things that used to come around that like walk really slow that had the long legs that would I'm, come? I forgot. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I forgot what they're called. Those things were scary. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think for, for us, you know, it's just like the way that this world is set up, because I played this without even playing the first game. Agreed. And you come into, you know, the very trippy Twilight, you know, mind thing, and you're suddenly on a train, and then you get off and experiencing this whole dystopian city going on there with, you know, martial law and stuff, and then coming out and seeing a bigger city and the music and the culmination of, like, different cues uh it was very very impressive you know and i even though it was very linear and you know it it, it was made in a time where you don't have these giant open worlds it'd be nice to see this as an open world and see what they could put in there for a mm-hmm. half-life game but you know we can only imagine yeah it was really interesting to always see like always seeing in the background that uh citadel that you knew yes. eventually you might might get there, but yeah. you're going through these city slums, and then you you end up out in the canal areas where you're like driving through the the hazardous waste in that little like uh, uh, swamp like boat thing or whatever. Yeah, and then eventually you get to the citadel and get inside the citadel and see just how vastly fucked up this world is. Yeah, and then you just never learn why it's so fucked up because <laughs> you never finish it. Yeah, so uh, here we are. Uh, but the world was really crazy and and just really interesting to see this. I mean, they really put you into so many different perspectives and then everything from like that opening sequence where you're just ex- experiencing firsthand like how bad it was without engaging in combat or fighting anybody. And then as you progress through, like you get to Ravenholm, you know, and that was just like where 
how did this happen? Yes. And yes. Uh, just so many different pieces and areas to explore and experience that were unlike anything I've ever seen in a game, especially right. at that time. It was just beyond belief, incredible. And definitely a place I will not forget. Exactly. For a long time. Exactly. Um, but places I think some people will never forget. Me less so because I don't enjoy this as much, but it's very Skyrim focused. It is very Skyrim focused. The many, many iterations of Hyrule in Legend of Zelda. <laughs> but most importantly, I feel like Breath of the Wild is oh, the yeah. best iteration of oh, yeah. Hyrule. Just talk to me about this. Yeah, awesome. especially for me. Whenever you give me a giant world like that's very nostalgic, like I can't help but be super excited to run around. And Breath of the Wild is no joke. Like even just the starting zone seems so vast and wide with characters and things to see and enemies to fight. Um, and then you know, eventually you get your glider to get off of the starting area and you glide down to the main area and there's just so much to see. It's ridiculous. Like you can climb up everything, obviously, and go to like the highest peak. You can glide down. You can fly across the thing, uh, the world. You can see all the different areas that they have from the, you know, the snow mountaintops to the, um, to the desert and each have vastly different creatures and people to talk to and fight and different items and little dungeons you can get to get cool stuff. So it's like if all you want to do is run around the world and look at all the beautiful sights and do whatever you want, like this is definitely the place to be. Yeah. Like it is so cool. Yeah. And the introduction of you can literally go anywhere was pretty (laughs) incredible. Um, the graphics aren't the most amazing thing in the world, but I love the stylization of the, the, the game and uh, there were a lot of neat areas that I would stumble upon and explored, like, you know, going through this top hilltop and then I come around the bent, corner bend and look down below me and, like, there's a bunch of those little enemies that are hiding out around this, like, rock cave. And I go down the rock cave and find, like, a really badass sword. I was like, okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. But then I went to proceed and fought a big rock bad guy boss that killed me and then I was like, I'm done. Yeah. But... <laughs> But the uh, <laughs> the world was was really fascinating, and then like having to fight against the uh, the the rough um, the snow and the ice and the cold, and the heat. And not having the right clothes for yeah. it, yeah, and the heat, like it was it was pretty uh, pretty intense and wild, but very full of um, like elevation of all kinds. I love the different biomes and all that stuff, like finding old ruins like lying around that's like what used to be here what did this place consist of right it's very very fascinating yeah and they can do more of that like some of it was very like yeah like here's a city that's in ruins but there's no actual there's most places didn't have any clues to like what happened here yeah you have an idea i mean you know it's been like 100 years or whatever and yeah it's just you know ruins everyone's dead well most people are dead it seems like Everybody's dead. Hopefully the next one will actually have more clues and context to like what's going on and not just be so like, here's an open world, go have fun. We're just going to throw some ruins here type thing. We'll just throw, throw some ruins here, yeah. throw little ruins over there. Yeah. It'll be fine. Anyway, um, next one. All right. Now we're going back to the wild, wild west. It's a little place called... New Hanover Red Dead Redemption. Actually, it's more than just New Hanover, but I focus in on this because this is one of the first areas that you really get to explore mm-hmm. in Red Dead Redemption 2. But New Hanover is one of these states 
within Red Dead Redemption 2 that you go and explore. And uh, here you have a you have the Grizzlies and you have the Heartlands and there's this big, huge forest and there's, um, there's all kinds of stuff to explore and see here. And the thing with with Red Dead Redemption is that, I mean, this game was a lot. And I think that was a problem for me is that it was almost, it was too much. Yeah, but surprisingly. I was very, very impressed with what they were able to create in this space. Um, I mean, you had Valentine, you had, um, you know, this old school Wild West town that you enter into that just looked awesome. But then you had the mountains not far from there. And then these massive forests where you first like lay your settlement down into. And then you can go down to the southeast and travel into the bigger cities. There was a town that was uh, based off of like New Orleans, wasn't it, I believe? Or mm, something yes, like that. Yes. I forgot the name of the city. Yeah, but you're right. there was a lot of that that stuff there. And it was just vast and beautiful and sprawling and goodness it was fun to run around especially in cinematic mode you just set your destination on your horse Mm -hmm. and you can literally just take a cinematic trip (laughs) for like 10 minutes across the area and it's like wow this is amazing literally 10 minutes um the detail in this and just like the this is one game that i did enjoy stumbling upon and finding stuff because i was riding on my horse and I was going to a destination one day and then I heard somebody like hip and hollering and then I go and turn that direction to go find out what's going on. And it turns out this person was uh, <laughs> like stuck. I think they were, st- they like messed up their leg. Mm. They fell off their horse mm-hmm. and messed up their leg and I helped them up and got them back to normal and they gave me some money. But then after that happened, I went a little further down the road and came across this little house with this old guy there who was like yelling at his pigs or something like that. He was yelling at me as I was coming by. So I like go up to him, like wonder what he's doing. He wants me to like help with these pigs. And then he, he, I think, I guess he got pissed off at me or I got pissed off at him. Whatever happened, it became a shootout and I killed him and then took his pig. Dang. And then, uh, that was, that was that. But, um, it was, it was a wild experience. Yeah. Just to like run into that just randomly. Yeah. But and the that, game like pulled me into right. that encounter. Right. Well, I had a similar uh, instance like that where I was just traveling back to go to another mission. And I was just taking... Because sometimes I just go straight. Like, I don't even go on the roads. I'm like, it's so oh. close. There's no reason to take the roads and do cinematic travel. So I stumbled across the shack that was like the size of maybe like an old-time school. Yep. You know, a little bigger than a shack. And I go in there, and there's this person... Like, there's a bunch of dead bodies in there, skeletons. And the guy uh, on one end was like at a desk but looked like he was some kind of leader and he was like had like a chair that was kind of a shrine or something like that Uh and and there was bunk beds in there and a lot of the people like there was a lot of skeletons laying down that were dead and i was like okay like i think there was some stuff to read in there but like something had happened it was almost like a ritual sacrifice it seemed like and these people were worshiping this guy and i was like what happened here (laughs) Like, there's just so much going on, and I have no idea what happened. So, like, stuff like that is super cool to run into, especially in these open worlds. Yeah. So. Definitely. It was cool. Very, left a big impression on me. I kind of want to go back and play it, because I really enjoyed that game. I just, like, fell off of it. I wish I could carve out, I just need a day where I just spend once a week just playing for, like, five, six hours straight. Yes. And, like, that's the day I play this one game. Yep. And then continually play it until I yeah. finish it and then move it. on yeah. to something else. Yeah. But then I get tired of playing that same game and I want to play something else. And we're probably dragging you to play <laughs> something else too. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's funny. Um, it's funny. Well, anyway, 
our next destination is a little bit back in the fantasy realm. Yes. Fantasy mystical world of what we like to call the Witcher 3 in a <laughs> place like called Toussaint, to Toussaint. 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 Um, it's French. I haven't played Toussaint. Yes. But you it's played from Toussaint. It's the, th- the, the second DLC, I believe, from The Witcher. Second okay. or third. I think it was only two. Um, maybe it was three. I don't remember now. Anyway, it was a great uh, little... So you start off, you meet in The Witcher, the main big uh, land, and it's pretty cool, obviously, for a lot of many reasons that we've mentioned for other games that are open world. Talk to some guys, they send you over to Toussaint to help them with a problem, and it turns out to be a vampire problem. But what makes this so cool is that unlike the the mainland, this is much more vibrant, like much more vibrant colors all around, uh, very poppy, very saturated, you know, great lighting. I think I actually think they did a little better on this. This was Wild Hunt. Yes, Wild Hunt, right? yes. Yeah. And so just walking around and seeing this land, it's much more vibrant and alive than the other ones that you've explored, even though those are vibrant and alive, but they have a very, I don't know, medieval tone to them. So like... Or actually I meant, was it Blood and Wine? Blood and Wine, yes it is. That's what it was. Yeah. And so this is very just like alive and beautiful and, you know, the people are happy and great little places. You know, it's it's basically France and The Witcher. They like, take a lot of notes from that. Like there's vineyards and stuff like that awesome little uh, uh, houses and cities that are very, very nicely kept and stuff. And you you could walk around this. I mean, it's just a whole new area, and it does justice to the Witcher franchise. And you could probably spend a lot of time in this DLC, too, just walking around looking at everything. It's just so beautiful. So imagine, like, like entering into knowing that, okay, we're about to make a game. Yep. It's going to be called The Witcher 3. Yep. Blood and Wine or The Witcher 3 and we're going to create a map and you have you start brainstorming the concepts for this map and then you get four years into it and then you're like we're still not done with this map we're working on this world that is about the size of the United States or whatever the size it is and we're like holy shit what have we gotten ourselves into yeah because there's so many details and things and like you have to illustrate I mean you literally have to like like raise and lower and design all these cliffs and see and like place all these trees. And a lot of it can be like generated with technology and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you still got to have the, the painters touch the designers touch in there to like place and plant these things so that they're intentionally Mm -hmm. designed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. You know what? Kudos to them. Yeah. It's a hell of a game, especially a hell of an area. So yeah, check it out. Man, yeah, let's check that out. Next one. All right, so this one I really wanted to talk about because it sets up, not only does it do a good job at setting up a space um, in, that we are familiar with, but it does a good job at capturing a period or a moment in time. So this is uh, Mafia 2 with Empire Bay, which Empire Bay is meant to be like 1940s um, and then also 1950s. New York City. And so they capture the tone of this area with um, old, the old cars from back then. They capture the outfits, they capture the signage. So, as a graphic designer, I'm really appealed and attracted to the old school signage of that time. This was before printing existed and mass production like we have now. There wasn't any computers or anything like that. So, like typography and things of that nature were very different than they are today. 
and uh, the way in which they were able to um, capture this 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 space, which wasn't very big, but it was so dense and full of detail, and um, you could walk into these buildings and then see like you know you there was there was one mission I remember doing where I was pulling up in my car to this like bar on the corner, and you go into the bar. And you have a sit down conversation with these guys, and then it turns out to be like a mob, like heist situation, where a firefight ensues, and you have to then run outside, jump in the car, and engage in a getaway uh, with your your uh, mob boss person, because you're trying to like your mob boss is trying to piss off another mob boss to take territory control yep. of that space. So yep. you get out there, and then you're now driving around trying to get away. If you escape. Then you get away and all said and done, you took out the bad guys and all that stuff happened. It was great. Um, but like the different places you got to see and explore, I'm trying to remember the name of the location where the very, very end, you go up to this like the last mission takes place on this. like It's almost like the observatory in San Francisco, but it wasn't in San Francisco. It was in New York City. Yeah. But you go to a place kind of like that that's up on a hill and you can kind of see like the whole entire city. And it was really, really interesting. But either way, like this game is just, it was incredibly detailed for its time and capturing that moment and right. seeing like how how life was like at that period. Yeah. And that's why I want to play Mafia 3 because just see how they captured New Orleans. But yeah. I never got to pick it up and play it. It was it was a pretty good game with, yeah. with, with, with some flaws that made me fall off of it. But I, I like the character. I like the story, the initial stuff. Like probably the first, core, first third of the game was really awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I couldn't finish it. I have it as a it was a PS Plus download. Oh nice. So I have it to play at some point. Just haven't just haven't, haven't started it. Oh, picked goodness. it up. But it's on my list. But speaking of GTA like games, oh, our next one. Oh man, it's from GTA Five. Yeah, this might be the biggest. I mean, this is this might be the the echelon, the top tier in my mind. Maybe not of explorable worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's probably the biggest. I'll tell you that it's massive and full of detail, and it's meant to encompass. So this is um the area that you're in. I think they still call the state San Andreas, but it's largely based in Los Santos which is a fictional reinterpretation of Los Angeles and right, the surrounding right. areas. But the GTA 5 map is vast oh, and so has big. multiple like mass locations that you can interact in. But you have your Los Santos area itself with like the Los Santos um you know, you have Los Santos Airport and you have all the downtown and then east, west, left, right, whatever. And then you have like the highlands and you get in the mountain areas and you go up further north and there's like a desert region that you can travel into. And then you go up into Mount Chiliad where there's like a whole mountain space up there. Yeah. So it's just like this this whole massive map, which I think is two or three, four times the size of what the previous maps were. <laughs> but um it's it's uh, huge. Maybe they're bigger maps, but I can't think of any. And yeah. I don't know anyone who's done consp- comparisons yet. I know there have been comparisons about like biggest maps in video games, but yeah, like if you wanted to go hang out in one part of the city, you could probably hang out there for a long time. Because I'm sure you were like me back in the day when like GTA two and three and stuff came out. You were just like hanging around, messing up crap, 
running around, just, you know, having the police chase after you, Vice City, you're just, you know, we're having a good time, doing whatever we want. Right. And then this is that on steroids times like a thousand. So, oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, like, I really enjoyed Grand Theft Auto. F- I almost put Grand Theft Auto 4 on this list just because mm. of how well it captured New York City. Yeah. But this GTA 5 was just like super expansive. <coughs> I was looking at this map here. And it shows you the differences in size and scale oh of the maps. And it's weird because uh, uh, wow. so it? I just Googled like GTA 5 map comparison. But San Andreas was like meant to be like three different cities um, mm-hmm. that you could explore that had different vibes. Like one was San Diego, one was L.A. and one was like San Francisco, I think. But that was small compared to what GTA 5 ended up being with its size and scale. Um, And the fact that they were able to put so much like outlands, like, like, you know, desert areas and like just far away places with forests and stuff like that makes me want to go back and play this game. Yeah, I have it. I just don't have anyone to play with. I know. Might be worth jumping in and see what we can mod and stuff. Yeah. Well, just because, yeah. Like, do you have on PC? Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Not for like 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. Because I bought it on, on uh, the playstation oh. and then now i think i did eventually buy it on pc but i never played on pc nice but there's so many mods out there for it now i was yeah. listening to uh kind of funny has this new guy on um blessing at, i forgot his last name but blessing is on there and he said he just recently got back into gta 5 with some people mm-hmm. and was playing through um some of the mods that are available and like there's like car racing mods and there's like Things where you like try to be real life, like mm-hmm. like role, like play real life roles in this like very role playing kind of situations, right, and right, um, just tons and tons of stuff that are available for you online, mm-hmm. like buying a house and getting a job, and then starting up businesses and all this different stuff to like generate revenue in the game, and that's just the online, and then you got multi or single player, which had this vast story you could go through, yeah. And I, I just can't wait to see what GTA 6 is going to Oh, my out. gosh. It'll probably be another five be years. Oh, yeah. It's probably going to be bigger, like ridiculous. Oh, it will be. It will be. Imagine if they did a space one where, like, each planet had its own. I mean, Dude, that, would be, that would be that would be a 10-year game. Can you imagine starting out with one planet, and eventually the next DLC is, like, three years later. It's another planet. Three years later, next DLC, it's a bigger planet, you know? Yeah. And you have all these planets to go to. Like, that's ridiculous. That would be fun. Yeah, I feel like. But they really got to fix their mechanics for walking and shooting and stuff. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so no, much, man. It's so wonky. Even when they introduced first-person mode, I thought that would be cool. And then that's just still wonky. Bad. Yeah. Weird and awkward. It was better, but wonky. Yep. Anyway, that's it, guys. All right. Yep, that's all of our 10 greatest video game destinations over the years. So if you have some feedback or some uh, suggestions that you did not hear on this list that you want to say give shout outs to i mean there's definitely a lot that we're probably missed from this list but i think this was a very very good exploration of just just very well curated design worlds that you can explore and visit in video games over the years and we have games dating back to early early days to modern day so exactly that's exactly. that's really cool to see yeah um oh, yeah. but if you have questions or want to contribute to the next week's segment you can visit the innergamer.net and send us your feedback you can also join our discord channel as we mentioned before in the show notes to chat with us on our upcoming discussion topics we'll be right back with our no i take that back we are not going to yeah, be right back with upcoming video game releases this is it there are no upcoming video game releases so with that said that's going to wrap up that's going to wrap up our show this week be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. 
You can visit theinnergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. Yeah, and if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website over at theinnergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. You can also join in on our conversation over at the Discord channel. So check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you cannot donate monetarily, please, sharing our content to more people just gets more faces in front of our content, which helps us grow. And thank you for all your uh, continued support. So I'm Austin Morales. I'm Brett Yanoski. And you've been listening to the Intergamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Podcast out.